Hi, it's Megan, and thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Woo as Fuck. We are officially in season two. This is actually our second recording of season two, episode one. However, we decided that we wanted to try again because we were doing video and it just wasn't the right format for us. So we are sorry that we were gone for a little bit longer than we planned, but I assure you it was well worth the wait. We come to you with new energy and a new perspective and a lot more clarity. This week, we talk about being perceived. We provide some general updates and we talk a lot about being kind to yourself, listening to your energy and a lot about mundane magic. So I hope that you're having a wonderful day. Enjoy the new song and enjoy season two. Hi, it's Megan. And I'm Lissa. And today we're going to talk about being perceived and getting called out. Yeah, um, this is actually the second first episode of season two. And we're going to talk about that because we had another version of this that lives only on Patreon. Um, And this will be the official first episode of season two. And we are woo as fuck. Yeah, this is woo as fuck. Welcome to the podcast. Um, so basically last year, last year, last week. Yeah, um, last year. No, I'm with you. <laughs> it does feel so long ago already. So last week we recorded our first episode of season two. That was a video podcast, a video cast or whatever you want to call it, because we were going to do YouTube and that triggered so much of different, different aspects of our uh, general being really the idea of being perceived in that way it felt like the right move it felt like the right thing and we did like it really because we were moving to that platform it was a lot of work of getting everything ready for it and all of the preparations and all of the things that we never would have done if we weren't making that move and it have, like gave us an opportunity to really evaluate everything that we were doing and I am so grateful that we like went through the motions as if we were going to do it, but I'm supremely uh, relieved that we both decided that we were not ready to per- be perceived in that way. And Audio is cozy. Audio is safe. <laughs> oh my gosh. So safe. And it's so beautiful. Cause it's like when you're, you know, when you don't feel well, and then when you're not feeling good, you're like, whoa, I totally took for granted what it felt like to feel good all the time. It was that kind of feeling for me, because I thought it was all cool until it was done that we had decided that we weren't going to be video. And then it was like this flood of relief where I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, it I guess I was forcing that one. <laughs> yeah, for me, too. It felt like um, I knew I wasn't the most comfortable with it, but I thought it was a normal just eh, like um, I'm just nervous about having my face on YouTube after all of these years of being interested and in maybe being on YouTube. Um, but whenever we made that decision to just do audio again and just kind of uh, maybe save that for a season three or four or 32, I don't know. Um, but when we made that decision, it felt like I didn't know that I was holding my breath for all of this time. And then suddenly I had my first like big, deep breath and it was nice. It was really nice. 
back into comfort. Well, and it feels like this is really, and I don't know when we're, I mean, like this is what we're doing, right? Is we're figuring out what works, we're figuring out what doesn't and how literally everything you do has a very real resonance, a vibe and a, like we're creators, right? We're creating something. So what we created on video for me perceiving it was so different than what we're creating with audio. And what's interesting is that with the Patreon, it felt in alignment. Like it really like, cause what we're doing with the Patreon is we're interactive, we're pulling cards, we're showing cards, we're discussing things with each other. And there's like a interactive energetic play that's happening. Uh, and with the podcast, it just felt like it was bringing up a stagnancy that was unnecessary because there was no, I don't know, for me, it just felt like all we were doing was staring at the camera and that brought up all kinds of stuff for me because it's like looking in a mirror for an hour, you know? Yeah, it was so much of that experience was me being hyper fixated on what is my face doing? What am I doing? How do I look? Did my hair just suddenly change? Um, is that my double chin? I really see that double chin. Look at my face. I really see my face now. Um, and I, j I couldn't really enjoy it the same way because I was watching myself. And it, when we do the Patreon stuff, I'd never care about that. I don't care if I have makeup on um, or what I'm wearing or anything because a lot of that stuff is like interactive and it feels like the video is intended for that. Like it, it feels completely different, but the podcast, a lot of what makes it so good, I feel like is like we're bouncing back and forth. And a lot of it is for me, at least like I'm processing what you're saying and I'm getting my own like response ready or my own downloads about it. Or like you got me really excited. And sometimes when you're talking, I'm sitting over here like, Oh, 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 but I'm muted. So um, then I get to come in whenever like there's a natural pause, but on video, I can't just sit there and uh, sh like rock back and forth the way I want to, <laughs> you know, the way I'm literally doing right now. Yeah. Cause that's exactly what it is, Megan. And do you remember, I kept saying three times, uh, I'm not like what you just said is so perfect. Cause it's like, I said, that's so weird. I'm not channeling. Interesting. Usually I'm channeling the whole time. I'm not channeling at all. And instantly now it's all coming through and it's making so much sense. And of course now I'm channeling it's because we need to have the space in our minds and brains to be able to perceive of the things that you and I are talking about, because a lot of them are imaginative, imaginative. You know what I mean? They like take place in a, in an imaginative space in the mind. So when, we're looking at each other and having that extra layers of processing happening in our brain. I think for me, at least it cuts off certain abilities. And there was a time in that podcast when I was talking about how basically the channel right now is saying, don't you see the metaphor why you need to fall asleep in the 3d to take care of 3d things and then bounce up to 5d like as a depth of experience. Cause that video was very much a fifth dimensional aspect, but there was so much that we had to pay attention to. There were so many new layers of perception that we had to bounce back down into, no, we're only going to do audio and we'll incorporate video when we can, but it's too overstimulating right now. So we got to ease our way into it. And it feels like that's what's happening with these dimensions of experience as well. I think that it's really important that we did go through those like the the motions of it as if we were going to do it because we learned a lot it brought up a lot of emotions um and like stagnant energy and good and bad things and we learned a lot about the energy on youtube is different 
um, because when we're doing the podcast, we can kind of feel like your reception to it or, oh, yeah, you really get that. And the energy feels smooth and fluid and good. And with YouTube, it felt like the energy felt bigger. I'm trying to figure out how to verbalize it really, but it was, it was bigger. It was like, a like, a like we were looking into a well that was infinitely infinite, yeah. <laughs> but you couldn't, when we're working with you guys working with, well, I guess we are right. Like everyone that's here right now, you feel as though, well, I would like to hear your perception, Megan. For me, it feels as though we're all in a house and we're all sitting there together and me and you are talking and people are looking at us, but we can very much see and feel and know the other beings that are there with us. And with the YouTube, it felt like um, going into a stadium and it was like, well, what's going on? Yeah, that that's a pretty good explanation of how it feels. And I feel like maybe at some point we'll want to dip our toes into that again. But I think I personally need time. Um, maybe with us, cause we are going to be doing more Patreon stuff. Um, but maybe with another couple months of us doing mostly that we could revisit. But I think that we would really have to have a lot of things in order that we didn't have in Ab- order. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like we wouldn't have known about them though, if it weren't for that experience. Well, and one of the things that was so nice, I think, is that it really got us communicating as though you and I are business partners and this is really what we're doing. And then it brought up uh, like barriers and breakdowns in our communication that we would have otherwise not addressed. And you and I are now more strong coming into season two with this whole like season one was very whimsical, like, ooh, we're out of the woo closet and, uh, you know, like all fun and lighthearted. And now it seems much more like, holy shit, fucking damn, this is kind of hard and a little rough sometimes. And like, how do we navigate through this in a way where we're really helping ourselves and other people? Yeah, it really, the energy around it has changed a bit. It's still fun. It's still exciting. Um, I wasn't feeling like it was fun with the YouTube side of it. But the second that we made the decision collectively to revert back to the original format it started to feel fun and I started to feel excited again but for a minute there it just stopped feeling fun it stopped feeling in line it started feeling like work right yeah like like work work. yeah and not the good kind of work work because there is a good kind of work work it just felt like almost like I was checking checking in clocking into like a nine-to-five job where I got paid two dollars an hour you know Yeah, well, even less than that. But yeah, because it's like the whole point of this, the whole reason we're doing this, and just for everyone that's listening, like, I think it's pretty obvious. We've been super clear from the get go. We're doing this because it feels good. It feels right. And it feels as though it's the thing we're supposed to be doing right now. And that's it. So when it stops feeling like that, then there's a serious need to address, okay, well, why is that the case? And then why continue? But then what the beautiful thing is that we were able to really address what that was, why it happened. And, oh, it's just because we're not, we are, mm, we're walking down a road that others have walked down because we feel it's the right thing to do. It's sort of like the couple that's dating that really likes each other that decides they want to get married because that's what people do. They get married, 
right? But that's not the way we want to operate. We, we want to have this thing reflect who we are. So we just did the thing that we thought we were supposed to do. And then it was like, oh, that doesn't feel good at all. And like, there's no need to, like nobody, and so many of you do your own businesses. You don't have to implement anything that doesn't feel right. You just don't have to. Yeah. And there are a thousand different ways to do whatever it is that you want to do. And I know a lot of people feel a lot of pressure because they really look up to someone who's doing something similar and this is what they're doing. And that's not always the right solution for you as a person, because you have to think about your energy and the energy that you want to put into something and what you value. I think what you've, yeah. And what you want to like, excuse me, there's no need to wear yourself out tirelessly doing tasks that you're not in alignment with to support a passion project. There, it's not like the, there are things that we're absolutely going to have to do that don't feel the best, that aren't the greatest, that are involved with getting. I mean, I'm, I know that pretty much anyone that's listening to this probably is self-employed, has their own business or is discovering new gifts and abilities that will ultimately lead them to having that as an opportunity should they desire. So it's important for you to know, like the way that we're molding this thing that like for all of you, the way that you're molding it, the if you try and make it match something else that already exists, you're really cutting yourself off from the unlimited resources and abundance that's available to you through the universe through, through making it try and match something that you already know to be true. And a lot of what I'm doing with the way that I'm approaching the intuitive design side of what I'm doing is looking at this is how it has been done. These are the rules of how it should be done and evaluating what is actually a core truth and a core rule and what we can just throw away. Um, I actually met with someone for a consultation yesterday and I mentioned branding. Like, did they currently have any branding for their established business? And they said, I hate branding. I hate everything about it. And as a designer for a second, I kind of stepped back and I was like, well, what? And then I had them explain it to me and it was because they felt like they were like shoved in a box and they weren't allowed to be creative because they had to do everything a certain way. Um, and I wonder how many other aspects of our life where people feel that way, like they feel like they really hate something because they have to do it a certain way when really they could do it however they want. That Oh my gosh, ping, 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 ping. So many things going off with that. So then can you tell us what is a core truth then? Like, because I think this is with branding and design and within your intuitive business, uh, your intuitive design business, this is all relevant. But also I think this translates to everything, right? Like, so there are, and this is what we're dealing with. Um, and we're also going to talk about this too, like this idea of getting called out. Because if we were to talk about collective energy, it very much feels like right now we're all recognizing who we are, what we want. We are implementing action steps to have that manifest in our reality. And we're meeting resistance with the things that are not a match to the very thing we're trying to manifest. And what's happening is we're now imposing our free will to decide how we want to deal with that resistance. Do we want to uh, confront it and try and um, uh, transmute it? Do we want to leave it? Or do we want to resist it? So I think that really all boils down to um, what I'd call a core truth. So essentially what that is, is when you break everything down to like the smallest piece of, like say, you know, you were to do the dishes. I'm trying to just think of a real world example. So you need to do the dishes. 
And if you were to break it down into steps, well, I need to collect all of the dishes and organize them into the different types. And then I need to make the water and make sure it's the right temperature. And I'm just kind of going overboard here. I don't normally do all of this, but, um, and then rinse each one and then sanitize each one and rinse it again and then dry it or put it in the dishwasher or whatever your process is. And if you look at all of that, it's a bunch of steps But what the core truth of that is, is that you just need to clean the dish. You don't need to organize it. You don't need to make sure everything's just right. There's no right or wrong way. You could take that plate into the shower with you and wash it at the same time you're conditioning your hair. There's no right or wrong way to do those dishes as long as it gets clean. So, this is so freaking fascinating. Megan, you say things that make my channel pop off. And as you're talking, I'm so glad we're doing this because this was not happening in the video. Yeah, Um, the video didn't feel this way. I felt like there wasn't a real real flow. And there was even a point in the video where we like got really uncomfortable. Yeah. And (laughs) it it feels so much better. (laughs) It feels so much better. But check this out. So what you're saying, because they're just showing me everything. It's like, Thank God. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. I think that, um, I think I personally have been resistant to like my own free flow of energy, but, um, it's like what you're talking about is this core truth that exists. And as you were speaking, they were showing me how every, they, every time I say they, for anyone new, I, maybe there's new people listening. Um, they refers to, uh, literally any sort of disembodied being and or energy and or frequency current information that I happen to be getting while Megan's talking. And I don't tend to identify the who or what because it seems irrelevant to the message as long as the core of the message is being delivered. And what I'm seeing right now is that all of us human beings, our cores are different. The truth is different. And so what's happening is we're emanating that core now that we've found it. So many of us have now found it. And we're feeling the experience of vibrating at that core and we're reflecting it externally and we're recognizing it's not the same core as other people. And we don't have to put a value judgment on that. Like just because somebody's truth isn't the same as your truth, that's okay. But then you can use that as a tool to determine what truth is a resonant match to your truth because no one's is going to be the exact same, but some will be uh, in disharmony as opposed to harmony. It's really important once you determine how you're identifying those core truths in your life and you're sitting with it, that you also periodically remember that you're changing and your environment is changing and the energy is changing. And what's a core truth for you now might not be the same thing that you value over everything else six months down the road. Um, Just really check in with yourself. And sometimes it's so obvious whenever you look at something that Duh, of course, like what's really important with running my business is that I'm doing the work. And then sometimes it might be really difficult because you aren't able to really see through all of the gunk. It's kind of like sometimes you're looking into a pool, like you're looking into a pool. Yeah. Um, so there's like a coin at the bottom of a pool. And sometimes you can look straight down through the pool. It's nice and clear. And you can see, of course, there, there's the coin. And sometimes that pool is full of leaves and dirt and debris and bugs and frogs and it's really more like a really dirty pond and you cannot maybe you can see like a a, an edge of it but everything else is just blocked off and you have to like clear all of that out and really dig down to find it and sometimes it feels like it's too much work i know 
so much work. I've also pulled, I was pulling some cards and um, I pulled the healing card as you were talking about um, all the gunk being in the pool, which makes so much sense because that's what the healing process is, is gaining more clarity through removing the things that are not you, that are just in there because they're gunk that is debris from your environment that you've held on to, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like in my yard. Um, I don't throw garbage outside, obviously, because I'm a decent human being, but almost weekly, whenever we go to do yard work, there's trash in my yard. And it's kind of like the same with your energetic body. Sometimes you just collect crap from everyone around you. Um, and you don't even notice it until you really look for it. So I don't look outside every single day because I'm, I'm an inside person. Um, so <laughs> and um, so I won't notice that there's like a Kit Kat wrapper or a beer bottle or something at the edge of my yard until I'm outside looking. Well, and it feels like that's really the process that we're in right now is because I'm getting such a feeling when you're talking about that of like how, oh boy, now that we're seeing it and we're ready to clear it in the energetic body, it also means feeling things sometimes for the first time. And like before we started recording, Megan and I were just talking about the experience, which feels so visceral. And we've talked about this on a previous podcast, but, um, or previous episode rather, but uh, the experience of having, like, let's say you were angry at someone for something that you loved, or excuse me, you were angry with someone that you loved for something that they did, some minute thing, and you never got to express anger in that moment. Well, what it looks like energetically, at least the way that I see it in my mind's eye, which is much more of an internal knowing, is like, there's a rebound effect that happens where the anger stays in your aura as an energetic vibration or a ripple just pulsing until the external circumstances match the exact frequency of the original circumstance and whoever happens to be standing in front of you is now going to get the brunt of the expression of the anger from the original trauma. Am I explaining that in a way that makes sense? Yeah. Um, I want to give like a tangible example. So let's say that you are... 15 and someone gives you a tea, right? Um, let's say it was a flavor of tea that you did not particularly enjoy. And then at the same exact time, um, you're broken up with, with your, by your significant other or something, something happens and you associate that memory with that flavor of tea and you haven't seen that tea in forever. And then all of a sudden you are in your forties and you, go into the cabinet and all the only flavor of tea they have is that one flavor of tea. And there's this anger and this pain and this feeling that you haven't really ever dealt with because you just stuffed it down. And um, all of a sudden it's like someone like you've got the specific um, pain point that has like tethers attached to it and someone just like rammed into it. And it's just all like all encompassing really all because you saw a flavor of tea and all because your soul has just been waiting to release this stored vibration that's not serving you because that's sort of it feels like this divine play that we're all apart is okay so this is important so i went to the redwoods yesterday because um i have really really been struggling in just sitting in my own energy and coping with day-to-day -day life um I've been getting called out left and right of where I'm like not uh, being, ooh, there we go, where I'm not standing in integrity, meaning 
doing what I say I'm going to do, right? And so over committing myself. And, um, and also just not paying attention as well. Uh, so working on that. But what's interesting is that when I went to the woods yesterday and I was existing in that space, what I realized was it's like, oh my gosh, like when you're in that, when you're, when you're somewhere where everything is alive and you're really in tune and you're starting to play with these like, uh, higher dimensional frequencies. So this is, yeah, something about, yeah. Okay. So when you start to exist in this space, then your energy, your actual energy, your energy body can just be, and you can be the expression of you in a way that feels really natural and warm and welcoming. And we have spent our entire lives being around other people, not knowing that our very real physical bodies and our, and our mental health is being affected by the energetic reverberance of what's happening with these other energetic bodies. Like, it's having these trickle-down effects in our 3D reality, but we're not recognizing that it's from an energetic source. So when you are not, this is a channel, so I'm talking like a robot, when you are not aware of the fact that you are primarily an energetic being, this is an interesting channel, primarily an energetic being, then you are also unaware of the very real impacts of the external environment on your energetic self and therefore also unaware of all of the trauma that you hold in your being that is waiting to be released through finding and attracting like circumstances of that trauma. Wow, that's fascinating. Okay, so then we attract trauma that is unresolved and unhealed as a means of releasing the original trauma. Um, that makes sense, I mean, with what I've studied with psychology, but also it's just important to recognize that we may be in mass, oh, thanks guys, we may be in mass attracting painful circumstances to release lifetimes of built-up trauma that's ready to be released, and maybe it doesn't feel so good right now. I think we're all really going through that too, because it's like we're trying to rapidly move through a bunch of crap, and in order to get from point A to point B, well, you, you gotta really face all of the things. And there, I mean, everything in your life is a mirror, really. If you look at your relationships, I almost guarantee if you were to really look at them, there is a recurrent theme that you have all around you. And it's because until you face it and you get through it and you figure out what you value or what you need to, whatever lesson you need to learn, you're just going to keep repeating it and having this mirror all around you. And it's like we're currently being surrounded, like we're in a dressing room. We know how gross those mirrors are in the dressing room, but you're in a dressing room right now and uh, you're wearing an outfit that's really unflattering and you have to be confronted with every single angle of you in that outfit and the lighting is horrible. It's not doing anything for your complexion. Um, and in order to get out of that dressing room, you have to really face each and every single one of those mirrors. And it sucks. And each mirror is a person in your life, right? That's what I, doesn't that well, feel it's like, like a person or like a, an archetype of a person or a theme? Cause it could also be your relationship with work or it could be your relationship with productivity or how you're like the lens that you're looking at the world through. Maybe you're a really negative person or a way too positive person. You need to have some balance. Um, 
but I think it's it's themes. So it could be people, it could be groups of people, or it could be themes of things that you need to face. That's when I love, this is why it's so important, seriously, you guys, to talk about these spiritual concepts with your friends that are on the same level that you are in terms of being open, because everything coexists and everything's true. So when you're able to really have these conversations, like your mind just gets like open in so many different ways. Like in my mind, that was like, oh, okay, but people are the mirror. They reflect things back to you. And it's like, Megan just got about seven layers deeper <laughs> through to explaining to me in one sentence that it's actually about concepts and themes and narratives and the entire play and how the entire play is structured. And that, yeah, sure, the characters and roles matter, but it's not only that. And then that takes me like five level deep, levels, excuse me deeper in terms of my comprehension. And these are the things that I feel like we are as a collective talking about now on a regular basis that in 2019, we just were not discussing. So um, it's really important that we allow there to be space that we create in our own being, in our own understanding, so that we can find like what works for us in incorporating these things. Yes, it's really important that you have those conversations, but I'm stuck on the fact that you said the, the space, and then I remembered the name of this episode, um, and I kind of want to talk about that for a second. So the we don't normally have a name for an episode until I'm editing it later on, um, but our episode that isn't being released except for on Patreon, which it's already there, um, is Take Up Space, because we were talking about the theme of we were putting ourselves out there when we're taking up more space, both energetically, digitally, in like your perception, etc. Um, but because we were backtracking back to the auto audio format, um, Lissa had the really good idea that this episode be called We Took Up Too Much Space. Um, and so I'm over here laughing because you said the thing about taking up space. And then I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, uh, we, we did. And, but like, what a beautiful thing. And that literally is a reflection of how the universe expands, which is as above, so below, right? So you expand and contract, expand and contract. We just overexpanded. So now we're contracting, but it makes perfect sense. And, um, Eventually, we'll be doing a reading for Patreon for this week as well. But I want to—I um, had already pulled the cards for that apparently as we were talking because it was made clear to me as I was pulling them. And I literally pulled that you guys—I pulled the card "Create Space." And like what I'm looking at here is literally "Create Space, Healing, and Alignment." So with this pool metaphor that you're talking about, Megan, it's like the first thing you have to do is start to remove that muck so that you can create the space that is the water to see the coin at the bottom. And we're now through that part of getting all the shit clear. And now we're looking at the coins, but we're recognizing we're all looking down at that water and seeing something different. And now we're up here at the surface, like having arguments with each other about the thing that we're seeing, as opposed to asking people, will tell me about what you're seeing because it's different than what I'm seeing. So maybe we have two different perspectives of the same thing. So if I understand yours and you understand mine, we can have a more well-rounded understanding of this actual reality we're experiencing. The pool metaphor is actually really great for that example too, because say you have 10 people standing around a pool and each of you are standing in a different location and you're looking at that same exact coin. Well, we all know how water distorts the item like if you have something in it or something behind it so it warps it the light goes through it it refracts differently from different angles 
So everyone that's around that pool is going to see a different version of that coin that's on the bottom. And I think what's really important is that if you guys all in that circle communicated about how you were seeing that coin, that between all 10 of you, you would have a more rounded and like better understanding of what that coin actually looks like. Have you heard the, um, the elephant, the elephant, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? I'm not sure what you're talking about. Okay. There, it's a yoga, uh, story. It's a yoga story. Oh my gosh, Melissa. Okay. I heard the story in yoga. I don't know what it is. It's something very sacred. So I apologize for not knowing, but, um, it's a sacred ancient story is how I'll preface it. But the story is that there are like 10 men and they're all, I'm going to murder the story, but whatever. There's 10 men and they're all blindfolded and they're all touching different aspects of this elephant. And they're all describing to each other what it is that they're experiencing. And each man is fighting with the one around him because one is feeling a leg, one's feeling a trunk, one's feeling a tusk. And none of the uh, descriptions are matching up with each other. But rather than trying to get the entire picture from each unique perspective, they are arguing their reality as truth. So they're missing the full truth because they're only seeing their limited scope. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think that if everyone worked together and had open discussions and really talked about like their perspective and listened to someone else's perspective, you could put together a much bigger picture. And I think when I was a kid, I was exposed to a lot of different religions and stuff. And I never really identified like with any of them. I guess like Wiccan would probably have been the closest, but none of them really resonated with me. And I remember as a kid, I would always say, well, none of these religions are actually right. They just have like a little piece of the big picture. And so if you were to like, and I, I got really like fascinated with the idea of going through and really like reading like entire religious texts and Bibles and books and doctrines from a bunch of different religions that I had no actual tangible interest in like pursuing, but um, reading all of them so I could get this like bigger picture of what it really was. Um, and even now, I wouldn't consider myself religious. I just consider myself in tune with myself and the earth and the energy around me. Kind of like a non-secular witch type person. I don't know. But I think no one has the full picture. You just have like a little piece of it. A green witch? Are you a green witch? Um, I don't know. Like a kitchen witch, maybe? If I were to identify like a something <laughs> specifically, you know, like I, I put... Oh, yeah. Like most of my spell work and stuff is really like, oh, I'm making a nice tea or I'm infusing intention into this cake or um, I'm making a nice herb or a nice bath. Um, you know. You guys, I had a dream about Megan. I don't know that I've ever shared this. Um, I had a dream about Megan that I was at her house with her husband and she was making just a plethora of plethora. Who says that? Of breads and baked goods. And I say plethora. Pie. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but they were just everywhere. And it was all like from scratch. And this was before I even knew that she baked. So the fact that she's saying she's a kitchen witch right now is like ringing true for me in ways that she doesn't even <laughs> understand. My dream in life is um, like if I could live any life that I wanted and it didn't matter about anything at all, I would kind of want to be like 
I live in the forest and I've got a little village around me and everyone comes to me for like natural remedies and I've got this like little like herb apothecary and like I'm always like baking people like special occasion um like breads or food or whatever and I'm always infusing like magic into the food that I'm making and like you taste it and you could feel the love or the healing or whatever and like um if I give you a gift, like maybe there's like a, a whole thing around like, oh, if you're getting married and Megan uh, crochets you a wedding blanket, then you know that's a lasting wedding, you know, or something that's <laughs> like I'm the folklore. Um. <laughs> that's beautiful. I love that. And I can see that. And I feel like, okay, and also side note, shout out to Kara for the beautiful, I didn't tell you this yet, Megan, she sent me a... Uh, like an altar cloth that has intention sewn into it. It reminded me of you as soon as you were saying that, because it's definitely something you would do, like actually have the thing you're creating, have intention embedded in it. Um, but uh, that, what you're talking about, Megan, I feel like that should be the tool for the toolbox um, for today's episode, because the power of what you're doing in imagining that world where you can be exactly who you want to be you're actually remembering who you've always been so like those things they're not just there in your imagination because they seem fun they're there in your imagination because it's something you've done for so long that you remember like it's in your I want to say it's in your DNA but I don't know that to be true but it seems like there's a deep deep deep, deep sense of who you are that's correlated with everything that you just stated and if we all asked ourselves, what would my imaginative life look like where I got to live my dream that had nothing to do with societal standards? And the things that we would come up with, like like the things that we thought of when we were kids before we even knew what a doctor or a nurse were. Do you remember what you wanted to be the very first thing? A librarian. <laughs> or a very famous singer. Well, those are contrasting. I know, right? But I, I desperately wanted to be a librarian or a mermaid. Yeah. See, I was going to ask, literally, when you said librarian, the very first thing I wanted to say, but I wanted to just honor that for a second, because I think that that makes a lot of sense, librarian surrounded by knowledge. And also that makes sense with like interest in um, like, you know, ancient religions and stuff as well. But, uh, but I was going to say, no, before we even understood society. Because like for me before, I wanted to be an inventor of things before I knew what job roles actually were. I wanted to invent things. I remember kids asking me, what does that mean? And I was like, just, you know, make things that don't exist yet. <laughs> They're like, what? I'm like, things that don't exist yet. <laughs> but, and you wanted to be a mermaid. Yes. I think inventor was also on my eventual like youthful list. I wanted to be like Albert Einstein and work at the patent office and invent things and get to help people like work with their things or figure out how something worked. I like to take things apart um, and then put them back together. I just had a lot of curiosity about the world around me. I think inventor is a good one. I thought when you said tool for your toolbox that the exercise for this week was going to be infusing intention into a mundane task. But I also like the imaginal practice too. Wait, yours is so much. I mean, I'm not, let's not attach value they to can, anything They, they can do both. Right. Of course they can do both. But let's just be real, uh, you guys. Megan's 
that tool for your toolbox has way more oomph in terms of practical use and like bang for your buck than imagining the perfect world because in the imaginative process it's very much like just playing with energy whereas if you're infusing intention into a main mundane task Megan do you want to say what that does yeah so let's say that you are making a glass of tea well as you're stirring in your sugar or your honey um, you could be in like stirring an intention of whatever, literally whatever you want. Or if you're making your bed, you could be infusing the intention of like, um, you're going to be like, whenever you come back to the bed because it's made, um, you're going to be able to sleep better or, um, you can do some like dream magic or something where the intention is that you're going to be healing something that you need to heal or just having that really good dream again. Or say you're cleaning. Ooh, cleaning is a big one. I I sometimes I struggle with cleaning because I have some executive dysfunction things where I can't like I feel stuck. Like I'm stuck in this like standby mode, and I know I need to do the thing, but I physically literally cannot do the thing. Um, and if I'm ever like specific to like cleaning, um, I can trick myself into doing it by I'm doing a cleansing ritual. So put on a little simmer pot and like I'm cleaning away all of the emotional gunk and stuff from the counters and preparing it to receive love and food and prosperity or whatever. Um, putting on lotion, you know, I mean, literally whatever you could squeeze a ball or fill up a glass or like, you know, as you're filling a glass of water, like you could put the intention that you're receiving more nourishment or understanding or healing or, you're just going to have a good day or whatever. Um, or you could say like this glass for every ounce of liquid that you drink from this glass, you like you could actually enchant the glass. Every ounce of liquid that you drink from this glass fills you with um, healing. And then for every ounce that you consume, you're also releasing an ounce of negativity or trauma or whatever you need to release. You know, it's really whatever you want to make it. And that, the reason I was like, that's going to be more oomph or bang for your buck or however you want to describe it. It's like the energy of that is, this is ancient, sacred practice. This is prayer. This is what, this is what we've always known to be true. And this is the magic that's really been sort of stolen from us. And whether it was intentional and malicious or just a byproduct of us developing as a species, um, I'm not making a value judgment on that. But what I will say is that we've literally lost, no, a lot of us have lost the magic of daily intention into what we do because what happens with intention is your programming. That is what that is. So if you are born into a world that has preset programs and most of those do not serve you and they don't serve your family and they don't serve your highest good, then it's our responsibility as an autonomous human being to set the programs and conditions that do serve us, that do serve our family, that do serve our highest good. And if we're not doing that regularly with the things that we're consuming, with the things that we're observing and with our relationships that we're cultivating, then we're literally only continuing to carry out the programs that are either neutral, neither good or bad, or harmful. So like that is, and that's what, that's what magic is too. Well, that's my personal opinion, not necessarily truth, but, um, but 
you recognize that it is magic because you will see that the program that you then start to tune your own physical instrument to will start to reset the conditions of your physical reality and the manifestations in your lived experience will be a resonant match to your frequency and you will feel like you are creating magic. Yeah, absolutely. And I could go down a big rabbit hole of conspiracy theory nonsense or real things. I don't know. Um, I could really talk a lot about like why that power was stolen from us as a people. But I think what really matters, though, is that we are collectively kind of rediscovering those small moments of magic because it doesn't have to be a big ritual. It absolutely can be like get as big and elaborate as you feel called to do. But it also for us depressed ass bitches and our like neurodivergent bitches out there. Um, you, yeah. you don't, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to make it into a big production. You could just say like, every time I light something with this lighter, I'm doing a thing or every time I put on this lip gloss or this thing, or um, anytime that like I take this medicine, like, you have medicine that you take every day. Everyone has medicine that you take every day. Just about. I feel like you're an adult. <laughs> could be coffee. Yeah. You know? So you every could day. say like, like um, every time that you take this pill, you can infuse that pill with some other intention. Or every time you open this cap. Or um, just whatever like works for you. It doesn't have to be a big theatrical thing. Um, I personally, most of the magic that I do is like mundane magic. But whenever it's something really important to me, that's when I'll break out the like actually anointing a candle or writing out a thing, or I have to use a specific ink or whatever ritual feels right um, for that thing. But for those small moments of peace and clarity, and it can do a lot. And it really can. Sorry. I, no, it's all good. I interrupted you. There's, I'm getting um, so much information at once and it's like concepts, concepts, concepts. So empirical science, um, I'm getting shown how magic works in the same fashion that empirical science works and it's kind of blowing my fucking mind. So science so, really is just magic that they've been able to define. Um, I, I love science. I'm very scientifically driven with things. I love to read research papers and really do my research and learn how things interact and work. Um, science is kind of like a big part of me. And I genuinely, with science and psychology, those are both understanding um, these various principles with something that we could like definitively prove. Um, but it's just magical concepts. It's magical thinking just in a more 3D way. Yes. And well, and they're also starting to show, you know, very real evidence with empirical science of these um, ancient traditions. But I meant even more so in the actual occult itself, which I think I'm using the right, you know, pardon me if I'm using the wrong language here. But um, no, they were they were like literally yes to everything you said. But check it out. This is a new concept. And I'm interested to hear what you think of it, because I've never had it delivered to me in this way. That magic, as it's practiced, the way it works is that we come into this world with our own unique, unique like uh, sense tone of magic that is unique to our being, unique to our source frequency, and that we as a human being here on this planet, if we're given uh, like the open freedom since ch childhood to explore that thing, then that child can grow into an adult that has a unique sense of wonder and understanding about any specific thing and can therefore bring about some sort of specific ritual to have some sort of outcome. 
And when you think about, and mind you, then that can then be replicated by others who have the same result. And that there are different types of magic. And again, I don't know anything about magic, you guys. This is just channeled information. Um, so that when we're practicing magic, we can utilize the, you know, uh, we can utilize essentially the, I don't want to use the word empirical, but we can utilize the ancient traditions that have been used time and time again and have been found to be effective, like, um, like you know, when you buy a book of spells or whatnot, or we can utilize our own unique sense of magic and start something new. So now I'm thinking of college students, you know, that are at a university that are doing their um, dissertations and their grad school projects where they want to find out they have a new question for science that's never been asked before versus somebody, you know, that has their doctorate and is working to just continue to add to the literature through replicating a finding. That it's all very similar and all the same in energy, but just different in the way that it's implemented. I wonder what it would be like if there was a way for kids to be raised without a lot of the programming. And I know that a lot of people who are having kids now are kind of working on breaking some of those cycles, some of the generational trauma and the way things have always been done and the way that they have to be done. But imagine how beautiful it would be if there was a like kids that could grow up without the trauma from their parents and the trauma from everyone around them. And they got to like truly embrace their like, imagination and their intuition and their inspirations and follow like their interests and like how smart could that kid possibly be if like their form of education was like I'm really interested in rocks okay now let's learn about rocks okay that's really piqued an interest in um I don't know the ocean and marine biology and they got to learn about these like intricate things based on their own actual interests and like they didn't have that limitation to know like, oh, humans don't fly. Well, maybe in this world, this version of it, humans can fly. And we just never thought that we could. No one ever really tried. You know? Yeah. And then that's how we fly. And literally, right? So, and shout out right now to all the parents who are actively raising their kids this way, because I've met you and I know you. And shout out, you know, definitely to my friend, Jess. Who, so I've seen this, Megan. I've seen this be implemented. And it is so beautiful. Um, my best friend, I call her my sister, uh, Jess. And she's a uh, mother to my two nephews. She is able to cultivate an environment where she literally listens to her kids and asks them what their opinions are about things, what they want. If they don't want to do something, she'll ask, well, why don't you want to do it? And we'll really, like they have their own personality perspectives and opinions independent of her since birth. And she recognizes that and honors that. And it allows them to develop in a way I haven't seen other children develop, but I'm seeing more and more so now. And I'm sure you have friends that are, that are somewhat similar, or I've seen children being raised in similar ways. Yeah, I've seen it. And the people who are raising kids right now, and you're breaking all of these hundreds and hundreds of years of and with really every generation we get a little bit better but I feel like the people who are raising kids right now are 
advocating so much more for their autonomy and advocating for the way the education is handled and advocating for their kids being like an autonomous human being with their own feelings and emotions and we have no right to dictate it. And no one's doing perfect right now, but it's like you're a human with your own trauma and your own programming, but you're really making that effort. And I know it's not easy because there are so many people who say like, you're doing it wrong or this is how it's supposed to be done and you're doing it differently. And there's a lot of like stigma around it because it's new and people don't like new things. But I see so many people making this jump and making this change. And those kids are so wonderful and they're going to grow up sure with also their own trauma and baggage and damage because you you can't raise a kid and not do anything wrong because we're humans But imagine what those kids are going to be teaching their children because every generation gets a little bit better. Um, It's going to be light and day. Like whenever these current kids that are being born right now are old enough to have their own kids that they're raising. Yeah, that's going to be, for me, in my opinion, that's going to be when the world completely changes because then you're going to have the dying off of the generation who believes that the, I think that the real breakdown happens, you guys. And this is, uh, you know, as always only take what resonates, but, um, I love how less defensive I am, uh, just on with audio, but, um, the, there's a serious difference between believing that your children is your child is an extension of you and nothing more than the combination of you and your partner's DNA as a being, and that you're supposed to teach them how to be in the world versus this child is the closest thing to source consciousness and is therefore just pure creative potential with like holding a divine frequency that's here to communicate a message to us if we're here to listen and like those are such contrasting beliefs and opinions that and it's and it's a spectrum so depending on where you fall on that spectrum you're going to be looking at your child in a very different way and depending on where you fall on that spectrum your child is going to see the world in a very different way because if their original um, experience of the world is one of limitless potential where they are creators of their reality, then they're going to learn how to deal with these multiple dimensions that exist and the layers of energy that exist from childhood, which means any adult that is disconnected, this is so big, please hear this. Any adult that is disconnected from their energetic and ethereal bodies will be, they will be incapable of controlling that child because that child will have the heads up understanding the full picture, the full, it's sort of like that one of the blind men that's feeling the elephant. If you have a child that's standing there, that's observing the entire picture. And if the blind man turns to the child and tries to say, don't you see, this is a column. Can't you see? And he's holding the leg. The child's going to be like, no, it's an elephant. And it doesn't matter if, if all 10 of the men look to that child and say, you're wrong, the child's going to be like, well, I don't feel the need to continue to engage in conversation with you because I can see what I can see. And it's clear that you're blind. Yeah, I think that is a, a really good way. And I'm I'm kind of really curious because kids remember so much about that experience because they're so close to source, like you were saying. And I'm just picturing how beautiful it would be if you could like because as they get older, they might, you know, life might impact them and they'll lose touch with some of that connection or whatever until they rediscover it if they choose to, depending on what experience they want to have. 
But if a parent, like if you were an awake parent and you captured those moments of them talking about the way that things are or the way they see the world or these like unique core versions of themselves where they're saying like, oh, I think blue is really pretty um, and it reminds me of home and then they talk about home or they talk about a concept or whatever. If you captured those moments and you could share that with them when they're an adult and they get to like have this like little captured thing of like them, like this was their core essence when they're like reconnecting with their inner child how beautiful that would be and more so than beautiful Megan like that would be an anchor that would be an anchor for that child to have for their entire life of what their core frequency is they would never have to remember because they would never forget in the first place and that to me feels like when the tides really change and when we see the world tip the scale I mean we're seeing it right now we're in the middle of it but like the scales really tip once you know you we've all the, the tone in your voice when you were like, and maybe there's, and maybe, you know, they grow up and they're tainted. That tone is the direct result of everyone you and I know being taught to forget of every single person. Yeah, but you have to forget. Mm-hmm. Well, do you? I'm talking about in our current society with the way things are. Right. Um, right. It's hard to exist without having that amnesia. But that's what's changing. So I think that now these kids that are coming through, it's like, well, holy shit, we don't know what that world looks like. Well, actually, we do. The only way we know what that world looks like is through remembering the worlds that we've already lived in. And I think that because things are shifting the way they are, we are remembering the things that we're remembering. And it's allowing us to be these people that are going to just have like literal limitless potential in, in this new thing that we're creating. I'm really excited to see the change. It's hard. I know that we're all really going through it and everything kind of sucks right now. The energy has been really weird and aggressive and confusing. And like some days you're really up and some days you feel like I don't know how I could feel even like any more defeated than I currently feel. But Once we get through this, it's like that growing pain, you know, once we get through it, it could be really nice And I'm not talking about like, you don't have to buy into like the utopia or whatever aspect of it, but just seeing the change that's happening around you, you have to be able to recognize that the world that we're moving into, once we clear out all of this gunk and we get all of the people who were born in the early 1900s out of office and we can actually have real reform and change and kind of rework how the society looks it's going to be great I can't, like I am so excited for these zoomers and these gen z kids because I know they are going to be like nope that's not how this works anymore we're done 1000% there is this woman that I oh, I wish I remembered her name that I follow on TikTok I mean there's so many people that I follow on if you want to get if you're feeling like the thing that you want to do can't be done in the world get on TikTok and find people that do the same thing and just start looking at how many followers they have in their link tree and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, even if it's not you currently right now in this moment, understand that there are 
pathways for you to get the thing you want as long as you're open to not being stuck on any sort of dead timeline, meaning do the thing, do the thing that feels good. And then literally like you're seeing Megan and I course correct right now, we did the thing we thought felt good. It didn't feel good. And now we're course correcting. As long as you're always open to course correcting when you're using your internal like guidance system of your emotions, then you cannot get it wrong because you're constantly going to be led towards the thing that fulfills you and the thing that brings you joy and the thing that's going to be best for everybody involved. You're only going to screw yourself up when you stay somewhere that doesn't feel good and continuing to do the thing that doesn't feel good. And um, real quickly, I want to say, Megan, your pool analogy is coming up again when you were talking just then because I was seeing like, um, my, my guides were telling me it's really important for them to understand the, where they're at in this process because it makes a difference. And where we're at in this process is we've gone from, this is really beautiful energy, we've gone from being in the house looking at that dirty pool and ignoring it to going down and now it's summertime and we're looking at the pool and it's like, okay, this really isn't okay anymore. This really needs to be clean. To now we're literally removing the gunk this is what they're showing me its layers. So there's some that are currently removing the gunk that is the healing process. And they're removing the gunk through releasing the energies that have been stored within them that no longer serve them through literal like catharsis and just fucking breakdowns and like dealing with that emotion that's never been felt before. And so we're seeing that happen. We also have those that are now seeing the clear aspects of the pool that are looking at the coins underneath. And we also have those starting to describe what they're seeing. And then we have those that are recognizing the contrast between the perspectives and opinions of what's being seen. So it's important for you to figure out which group you're in, in that process, and to know that everybody else is in a different place and to stop trying to get yourself in alignment with people who are in a different part in that process and instead align yourself with the people who are doing the same thing you're doing, whether that's clearing the gunk, visualizing what's actually in the water or discussing with other people above the surface about what you're seeing and experiencing. It's really important to remember that you have to be fluid and you have to kind of understand that you're going to fuck up, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to think that you really wanted a thing and then realize, oh, this doesn't feel very good. And you're not losing anything. Don't feel that frustration about the experience because you're learning something about yourself. You're learning something about the world around you. You will, like, there isn't a wasted time because you're gaining experience and you're gaining knowledge and you're gaining like a deeper sense of knowing. And maybe one day you're a person that is just over there looking at the pool and the next day you're a scooper and another day you're the person taking a nap because it's not your shift. Or maybe you're the person over in the corner saying, I don't know, the pool looks fine to me. And you you can be all of the people, but you have to also like keep in touch with yourself and recognize today I'm a judgy person. Today, I'm a, someone doing the work. Today, I'm someone that's like helping guide someone else to do the work. And your role in the world and within yourself changes all of the time. And you just kind of have to like go limp and loosey-goosey your way through it, really. Very literally, yeah. Like- and just, yes, yes, yes. And just feel it and just feel it. And just dry heave in the corner as many times as you need to. And then just keep feeling the really gross feelings. Yes. Feeling those <laughs> feelings my experience suck. anyways. <laughs> yeah. And it's, sometimes it's really overwhelming. And it's okay to be overwhelmed. And it's okay to have breakdowns or feel like a piece of shit. 
or whatever you need to do because you're feeling your feelings and you're dealing with them and you're experiencing them. And it's hard. Spiritual stuff aside, just trying to be a better person is hard. Breaking those cycles, trying to do the right thing or like constantly being like, oh, this really important part of my personality turns out it's just a trauma response. (laughs) Who's actually under here? Is it just all a bag of trauma? Yeah, the answer is yeah, it's all a bag of trauma. Um, <laughs> but, um, but we needed that. We needed yeah. that collectively because it's leading. We all had to be traumatized by our parents that didn't know better so that we could understand how important it is to let our kids be themselves so that we can really begin to see who we actually are as humans. You know, like I feel like this process all makes sense and we're exactly where we need to be as long as we stop beating our fucking selves up about where we are. Yeah, have grace with yourself. No one's perfect all of the time. No one gets it right all of the time. No one is purely selfless or selfish or whatever emotion or state of being. No one can be anything all of the time. You are going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. You're going to try things and suck at them. Or you're going to try something and excel at it. And something might bring you joy and the next day you can't stand it. And that's okay. Because I think what really matters is that you're being true to yourself. And you could say, okay, today my favorite color is yellow and I want everything in my house to be yellow. And you buy a bunch of yellow stuff. And then by the time it shows up, you can't stand the sight of yellow. And it's okay. You know what happens? You just, you return it. It's okay. Maybe keep like one yellow item. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the experience of being yellow for a day obviously meant something to you. So don't discount that process. Maybe the yellow stuff, you know, was just something that you needed to do to understand that you needed more color in your life. And it wasn't about the yellow at all. And But that yellow is important and significant to you because it was part of the process. But now because you like really sat with that feeling, you know, oh, everything in my house was gray and drab and now I have color. And that's what really fills me with joy and inspires me and makes me creative is because I'm in a space that's full of color and light. Huge message there too, you guys, huge message for everyone that oftentimes the big jump, the big leap, the big decision, the huge timeline transition that you make isn't the thing. That's not the thing. It's all a means of opening up your eyes and your perspective and your perception to understand that anything is possible so that you can begin to do all the things just like the yellow. Yeah, it's just a journey of small steps and your brain has to trick you into thinking that this is the thing, this is it. Um, to get you to make the next step, but it's not ever really the end goal. You're just continuing to take more steps. And I feel people getting like depressed at the idea that they're constantly going to have to like trudge themselves forward. Um, But you can take a rest. You can always like sit down where you're at or take a few steps back or take a nap or whatever. You don't have to constantly be moving forward, but whenever your energy feels right and you're like, okay, now I'm on to the next thing. Um, do you have that energy? It's fine. It's just constantly growing and evolving. Well, shit. And you can use that as the opposite as well. Like if you know that you are going to be here no matter, or somewhere, if you're going to be somewhere on this journey, no matter what, forever, always, always doing something, might as well take the time to actually authentically enjoy yourself right now, since you're always going to have time to do the work. Yeah, there's always time to have work and there's always time to do healing. There's always time to learn new things or better yourself or whatever. But also remember that it's really important that like that yellow day where you were really into yellow, how much fun did you have? 
Like how much fun did you have being like, ooh, I like this shade of yellow and this shade's really good. And ooh, this one's so bright and pretty and this one's kind of murky, but I like it. Um, and you got to enjoy yourself in that moment. And what if you didn't let yourself enjoy that? Would you have ever made that discovery about yourself if you're like, mm, I kind of like that yellow, but I don't really have time. I've got to focus on work. You know? That feels like really good and fun, playful energy to end on because now I'm just picturing a house full of yellow and it's making me really happy. <laughs> Maybe someone listening has like a yellow house. I don't know. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. I mean, just I have an orange office. Yeah, you do. Well, and red, it changes colors. Um, like it's The core color is like um, orange and purple and like pink, but I have lights. So I often light it like my preferred lighting instead of like a normal person that likes like white. I work with pink and purple lights a lot. That makes sense. That totally yeah, makes sense yeah. for you. And I also really love the aesthetic. And for those that do want to hop onto our Patreon, you will get to see her office and my studio. <laughs> um but uh oh I guess we should go over that yeah so the so our episode well Megan already said this but um the episode that we did originally film as our as our episode one which is we're taking up space uh before the oopsies we took up too much space is on Patreon available now and we're still going to be doing um weekly readings there only now it's this cool new format because Megan created um I don't even know what they're called what are they called, Megan? It's like a video overlay. So it's um, a side-by-side -side and we, we're we adding things to our Patreon. So um, if you guys want to join at any point, we have a weekly joint reading that we're doing together now. So it's a side-by-side -side format where you get to see our offices and our cards and our space and our energy. And we get really into those joint readings. Um, and then we're going to, well, we started it last week. We're going to do an after show. So if you're really enjoying this conversation and you want to hang out with us more, that's available to our top tier people because the two people that are there are amazing and we love them so much. And you could also be part of them. Um, and we're also in our PJs with yeah. the makeup on. So you got to pay to see this content. Yeah, because <laughs> if, if we're really letting loose and we're eating and we're getting comfortable and kind of shaking off that like I have to be because it doesn't feel like you're being perceived anymore on Patreon really. Exactly. It's weird. Yeah. It, the energy is different. Um, but if you want to hang out with us, we have three different tiers. Um, the first one, you get the early access to the episode. I try to have those out the week before. Sometimes it's like the Monday before. I'm just going to be honest. But ideally, moving forward, there it's always like the Thursday or Friday before. Um, and you'll have a couple of joint readings a month. One or two. It depends on what we decide on. I don't know. We've kind of talked about which way we want to do that. And other bonus content. The second tier, you get the weekly joint reading, bonus content, early access. And then the third tier, you get all of that. And then an after show. Woo woo. Yeah. And then uh, throughout the creation of season two, I've been dropping like spoilers and stuff, which most of those um kind of don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> But pay attention to the um, to all the content creation because that's a huge part of what she does in her intuitive design business. And like when you're booking and like you can book a reading with me, my website is uh, allthingswoo.space. Everything's always going to be linked in the show notes. But um, part of what Megan's doing right now is really stepping into creative design 
and she's doing that in every aspect of um, the Patreon, which you can see in these overlays and you can see in the format of how she's doing the podcast. So if you're seeing it and you're really like, damn, I like that design and she like makes the music, all the stuff that she does, then, rec- then know that like that can also be that's the service she provides, you know. Yes, um, I do intuitive design and I would love to book some readings if you guys are called to work with me and my energy. That would be something really special. Um, but I just want you guys to all be okay. I don't know why I feel the need to like comfort you. It's going to be okay, person listening. It's, it's okay. been hard. It's yeah, been it's hard. Been, it's been a re- and just know like Megan and I have both, I've been crying a lot this week. How about you? Yeah, um, and I've been getting overwhelmed a lot easier than normal like I was cleaning out a closet and then felt like the walls were closing out on me because there was too much clutter and crap and I had to stop um everything just feels like I'm feeling it so much deeper yeah hugely well I think we are I think we're I think we literally y'all y'all oh my god I think we literally um have stepped out of the cocoon and we are the butterfly and now we feel everything and we're flying and we're like what the fuck is this fucking wind shit what the fuck i'm high up what 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 is this bullshit new experience that i was not prepared for i thought i was going to be a pretty little butterfly and here i am getting slapped upside the head with insects you know what i mean so just have a lot of compassion for yourself as always but especially right now and happy full moon in pisces yes happy astrological change to you i'm not sure if you're listening to this in this moment or in the future whatever's going on i know the energy is rough because i'm just assuming that we're all going to continue to grow and expand so even if you're listening to this in 2027 i mean you're awesome for listening (laughs) to that that uh throwback podcast but i'm sure the energy there is also changing and uncomfortable because you're growing and hello future us thank you thank you for for keeping it going Good job. Yeah. <laughs> That's not even that far away. That felt like a really future thing. And then I looked at like, it's almost 2022. Yeah. It's crazy. Time uh, crazy. It feels like 2020 was just like yesterday and we're almost at 2022. It's because we've been in a void, but yeah. we're coming out of it now, which I think is why we're also sensitive. Yeah. Because we haven't really seen the sun and the sun feels a lot different. Hugely. Pay attention to how the sun feels. It's another good intuitive exercise. Pay attention to how you feel too. Yes. So (laughs) have a wonderful day. Happy season two. I am sorry that it took us a little bit longer to get this episode out. I know we originally were like one week and then it was two weeks and then it turned into three weeks without a podcast, but it's okay. We're here. We were working on it the whole time minus a little bit of a break. Um, and we just failed and I'm happy to admit that we failed because we learned a lot from it. Yeah. And it's all been an integrity and an alignment. So please utilize that as your own example of what it looks like to just be authentic in your process and not be afraid of failure and just be able to be your authentic self. And it's still okay. It's all good. You know, like, yeah, use us as an example to fail a thousand times and have it be okay. Yeah. I am always happy to be an example of learning something or accepting the fact that you're going to fail or whatever, because I'm not embarrassed about making mistakes. If I make a mistake, I'm usually the first person to say, Oh yeah, I kind of fucked up. Um, but this is what I learned from it. Yeah. I think that's our superpower. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So, all right. Well, we, we love you guys. Love you so much. We'll see you over on Patreon or next week. Bye everyone. Bye.